In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you. No scripts, just real dialogue. My friends call me Reimer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Reimer. Thanks for trenching in. We are live from the Paradox booth at HR Tech 2023, and I'm with Joshua Seacrest. He's the VP of Marketing and Client Advocacy for Paradox. He's taken a non-traditional career path to becoming an HR Tech executive first leading TA at several well-known organizations. He's the former head of global talent acquisition and strategy for McDonald's, also the former head of global TA for Abercrombie & Fitch, where he spent over 13 years in various HR leadership roles, really top to bottom. He also holds a BA in economics from Yale. He also was one of the first TA leaders in a significant enterprise to launch conversational AI with McHire back in 2019. Joshua, welcome to the show. Man, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this one, my man. Me too. So uh, you know the game here, right? This is a healthcare TA uh, group here that, that, that tunes into this podcast. And, and so where, where I wanted to start here today was just with your retail, restaurant, you know, industry background, right? And, and we'll get to talk about Paradox and, sure. and, and what's happening with Conversational Eye. But but when you think about healthcare TA, as you leaned into this role at Paradox, right, what, what are some things from a process perspective that you believe we're getting right in healthcare talent acquisition today? And, and what are some things that you think maybe we're getting wrong? Yeah, it's a, it's a great one. It's one where I've spent a lot of time talking with our clients and digging in because to your point, I mean, on the surface, there's a, a lot that's different within healthcare hiring and the complexities you all face from the certifications and licenses that you need to find to really high demand, lower supply labor pool in a lot of the roles that, that you're looking at. One of the things that I've been seeing, though, is kind of some of the similarities in, in a few of the aspects that I think are, are, are sticking out within healthcare. So let's kind of dive into a couple of the different profiles. I think within healthcare, there is sometimes this like hidden but very large population of you know, support functions that help, you know, the operations of a hospital run, mm -hmm. you know, in those roles. And I think you, you talk about this quite a bit on your podcast in those roles, speed is everything, right? Yep. Speed and simplicity to get those in. Those are not people that necessarily that have licenses or certification requirements. You're actually competing sometimes against retail or manufacturing or food services for that talent. And what we're starting to see is to get that talent, you know, overall, you need to be able to move fast. And this is mm -hmm. pretty much what moving fast looks like is hiring typically within three days. Otherwise, wow. the, the talent leaves. Yep. So three days from, you know, hey, I post this thing, I engage you. And then, you know, I have a, a hiring decision rendered within three days. Yeah. I mean, what we're really seeing is, I mean, kind of as you break down, like how fast you need to be at each part of the process, we're mm -hmm. seeing the apply process be really simple for this group. Mm -hmm. Usually it's under five questions that mm -hmm. are screening. How long is that like taking? Like, for, like two to three minutes, two to three minutes, two to three minutes. Yeah. And then what we're seeing there is, is this is 
um, basic yes, no questions typically. Can okay. you work in the US? Yep. Shift schedule you know, of age. Mm -hmm. And then it's instantly qualifying. And then you're getting the candidate instantly scheduled for now, an interview. Are you seeing that, you know, kind of that process or that workflow for kind of all positions within uh, healthcare? Are you seeing different workflows for different personas, if you will? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the perfect question, frankly, because what we're starting to see is that different personas are going to have different hiring processes. Sure. And this is, this is really special, I think, with like within the last three years. Mm -hmm. So we have these support functions with hospitals where if because you don't have the licenses or certifications, you can move really fast with the apply screen and getting someone scheduled for an interview. Mm -hmm. For some of those jobs, you may not even need the interview. You might mm -hmm. have some other criteria or qualifications. For a nurse role where you've got licenses and certifications and you're going to need to do the interview, that process is going to look a little bit different. Sure. You might be able to um, make the screening and scheduling really fast. And the goal there is to be able to get those people on the phone quickly yep. to be able to verify those licenses as well as actually conduct the interview. So, you know, in the first types of roles, you might be able to automate now 95% of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the highest value place to put our humans to then, then hire? But you've got to move fast. You're moving mm -hmm. against QSR and retail that are hiring literally in under 48 hours. Yeah. Apply yep. to get them started. In, in, in nursing, right, we're, we're up against this really competitive environment versus our peers. And again, you can get a competitive edge by moving fast, though we recognize there are going to be more human touch points within that process. That makes sense. As you move up kind of executive positions or doctors, they're probably going to even be more touch points, right? Sure. But there's always this kind of need for speed within hiring right now because of kind of how labor demand and labor supplier matching up right yeah. now. Well, where where do you like to see? And I, and, I, and I love this conversation around high tech and high touch, especially you know high touch with nurses. Where where do you like to see you know kind of in those you know three different buckets? Where where do you like to see the recruiters coming in? Where where do you like to see them playing a a, a role? Is it like on the the high volume? Is it, is it just at time of offer, or is it somewhere else that? when you're advising clients on, on setting up their workflows that, that you like to see the recruiters come in? Yeah, I love that because you know, part of why all of us are, are here at HR Tech isn't just to like find new shiny tech, right? We're, we're certainly curious about what's, what's emerging, sure. but it's to solve problems, yeah. right? We want to find technology that helps us solve problems better than we're solving that problem today. And so if you look at it through that lens versus just like, oh, what's like a cool piece of tech to like layer on top of the process, this high volume support, you know, for me, I would say actually the most important thing is getting enough candidates in and through the process fast. So I'd sure. almost automate, you know, the first nine steps, frankly. Mm -hmm. And I would deploy my team then to figure out where we've got gaps from a sourcing perspective, mm -hmm. and then really the onboarding uh, process, yep. right? Make sure that they start day one and have a great experience. Because if I do that, if I spend more time there, hopefully I'm having less turnover. Yep. So I'm, I'm expediting the front end of the process. That's going to allow for me to have higher conversion rates, more candidates coming through, more to select from. I'm going to get a better quality candidate and fit and then I'm redeploying my humans to sort of hold their hand in that yeah. like, that first month where we yeah. know it's critical from yeah, a turnover. Yeah, yeah. From a, a license or certifications with our, our nurses, you know, at that point, I would say, 
wow, it's it's automate through scheduling. Mm-hmm. Because if if someone's applying and we're seeing data right now that's saying, you know, over 54% are applying kind of off hours, okay. right? So that's, you know, after nine to five or Makes on sense weekends. With the shift work dynamic, yeah. And like the reality is, you know, some of your teams you've maybe set up to be 24 seven, great for you. Yeah. A lot of you aren't. And yeah. you're actually missing out on candidates if they're applying because there are some of your competitors now that are responding 24 seven. Through but automation. Through automation. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. And 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 if if it's not through automation, that's a pretty costly infrastructure sure. that's being set up. So yeah. through automation up until the point of initial screen and then probably the interviews. So for that, I'm saying, ooh, I really want my recruiters to have a qualified screen and have a have a great interview mm-hmm. with that person and then do some convincing. Do the yeah. do the recruiting. Do the, sell. do the sell. Put the EVP at play, put mm-hmm. put the employee value proposition in front of them and, yep. and begin to establish that. Are you seeing with some of your clients, you just have me curious now, spending more time or actually pointing more time rather for the, the, the recruiters or even the hiring managers into those off hours to actually do the interviews? Or do you still see those sliding into the traditional, hey, when, when available? Like what, what type of experiences are you seeing curated across the ecosystem? Yeah. It, it, so that one, we're seeing different different approaches. The, the big piece there is giving flexibility to that candidate to be able to select. So the way that looks like now is with, with you know, an application that's conversational, we're able to serve up both recommended times. Hey, you're screened and qualified. We'd love to see you on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. What times work well? Do it. None of these times work well for you. Come in and, and select another time. Yep. So we're actually putting the ball in their court. What's what's gone away is sort of that like ping pong back and forth of scheduling and calendaring, which mm-hmm. is frustrating for both sides. Yeah, yeah. You know, up to up to the individual company on like, hey, do you want to staff a twenty four seven recruiting team to have yeah. sort of unconventional hours? Yeah. I'm actually seeing that a little bit less. Hmm. I think as long as you're being able to give flexibility, um, one of the magic. One of the big unlocks I think I'm seeing from organizations is the ones that are able to have scheduled times available even within 24 hours yeah. are usually winning. Yeah. So it's it's truly that fast. And that kind of stretches across across industries sure, sure. where you start to have someone accept an interview and then you actually don't interview them for 72 hours plus, you start to see drop-off rates creep mm, up. That's interesting. So yeah. you kind of want to hit within that within that window. So you you've been at you know this you know level of you know, kind of like let's just call it what it is automation at the front end of the process yeah. since you deployed the the McHire project back in 2019 yeah. and you know I I think at least from you know my knowledge you know one of the first you know TA leaders to kind of take the leap and and go after an ambitious project like that and you've probably seen a lot change mm-hmm. over the last four years maybe talk to me a little bit about the user adoption around that type of project, the level of buy-in that it takes to convince, you know, hey, if I'm a, if I'm a TA leader here and I'm listening to this, you know, maybe sounds like a no-brainer, like, hey, yeah. I, I should be doing this, yeah. right? But I've got an uphill battle maybe with my CHRO or with my, my, my tech operations to actually bring this to life. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, you, you know I guess adoption and, and deployment of, you know, basically overhauling a core component of your talent acquisition stack. Yeah, it's it's so much of this is maybe rooted in, you know, how how do our HR teams, how do our talent acquisition teams drive 
business results, right? Mm-hmm. What are what are the problems that we're solving? Mm-hmm. You know, within healthcare, how how can we help more people? Yeah. You know, within McDonald's, it was a really fascinating one. You know, this was a, a job I was really excited about because you know, McDonald's hires a couple million people per year. Yeah. You know, and and kind of walked in and and was able to hear from the team around if a if a restaurant is understaffed, what does that actually mean for the business? Mm-hmm. And a lot of this, as you think through it, makes a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's higher turnover in restaurants where there's understaffing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not great. Mm-hmm. You have slower ticket times. So does that actually mean for us as like a customer? Well, it means drive-through lines get longer. Yep. Lines get longer. If your order is wrong, it means you maybe aren't, aren't getting to talk with the manager to get it resolved, right? Um, it actually can see a downtick on revenue. So you're leaving dollars on the table. Mm-hmm. So what I think maybe just step one was we were able to get some of the data together and really get our C-suite involved and bought into, this isn't an HR problem. This business isn't problem. a talent acquisition yeah. problem. This is a, this is a business challenge. Yeah. And it's actually a business challenge that can bring amazing results to our customer experience and actually drive revenue as mm-hmm. well as save costs. Mm-hmm. Because what was happening when we couldn't fill a store or like, right, our, our managers were actually the ones hiring. So they'd have to spend less time with customers, less time with their team trying yep. to hire in a pretty clunky process. And, and ultimately, we weren't giving, giving a great experience to our, to our customers. Ultimately, what we were able to, to bring in was so much better than where we'd been in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think part of this was we were fortunate to enter sort of you know, our RFP for a, you know, state-of-the-art next-gen yep. technology solution sort of at this point where AI started to do this like hockey stick of transformation. And you had leaders that were brave enough at some level, right, to Mm -hmm. to go after AI as almost an early adopter at some level. Yeah. 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 And and in some ways, they'd seen this story before. And Mm -hmm. I think all of us as TA leaders potentially have. Oh, there's this next wave of like technology. We're going to update our ATS. Um, Ooh, it solved the one problem we were really frustrated about, but we really only got 5% better in this this is also frustrating. Yeah. What I think we were able to encounter in the unlock for us with high volume was was using, you know, mobile 24/7 automation and and what that really kind of did was it sped up our process and allowed for us to get this really interesting competitive advantage mm-hmm. for candidates mm-hmm. while also returning a lot of time to a restaurant. So just a couple mm-hmm. examples of that. We were spending about 3 days for when a candidate like started the apply process to the point they just got scheduled for the interview, mm. three days. Okay. By automating that, we got it down to three minutes. Wow. <clears throat> three is, days to three minutes. Three days to three days. Yeah. Now, now, why is that important? Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Well, Indeed numbers, and this is going to be different in healthcare, but in, Indeed numbers within uh, quick service, and, and your, your Indeed rep will actually give you these numbers. It's typically a candidate's applying to 15 jobs at the same time they apply to your job. Mm-hmm. Those are per week. Yeah. Per week. So... There, you're on the race. You're on the clock against 14 other employers. As soon as you get as an application, as soon as you go, as soon so, as you hit go yep. so if, if I'm if I'm actually getting back to someone and scheduling them for an interview within three minutes, I'm I'm the first back to that candidate. So yep. I'm, I'm winning a larger share of of those candidates. Our time to hire went from 21 days to three days. Hmm. So back to this, we just shaved off 18 days where we knew an understaffed restaurant was actually leaving revenue dollars on yep. the table. So that's yep. really interesting. And then the, the last piece, and this is what leads to your question on adoption, was it was really nice to provide, put technology into the hands of our, for us, our yeah. restaurant managers. Yeah. That was really intuitive. It was, you know, 
text on a phone. Yeah. Intuitive. And so it was easy for them to learn. And because of the automation, they were getting five hours back per week. Wow. So five hours back per week, what does that mean? Oh, that's more training with their team. That's more like time focused on their customers. And so that was like a really big win because at the the top level for us, you know, McHire was able to deliver some really cool job advertising savings yep. because we had more applicants. So we didn't have to spend as much there. Yep. You know, a lot of efficiency gains in terms of like where we allocated our resources. But like one of the most important was just like time back for our managers Management, to like yeah, manage yeah. the store and, yeah. and, and, <laughs> and do and their do, thing, do their thing, do what they do the best. You know, one, one of the challenges sometimes that when we go to, you know, w- without, you know, this level of automation, but we go to something like direct scheduling, you know, within, you know, a, a clinical operation, it's like, hey, sounds like a good idea, but I don't want to give up control of my calendar, right? Like, I, I don't want to have stuff put on my calendar that, you know, I am not authorizing or approving. Any, any tips or tricks? Because I'd imagine you probably have something similar brewing there with the, these managers or these owners, even if this is a franchise system, you know, I'm going to give up control of my calendar to gain all of this efficiency. Any any thoughts around that change management? Yeah, there are three pieces here. So one would be in an environment like I experienced within McDonald's, what was great was our managers were able to basically click, like drag and drop the open times that they'd have for interviews. So they have control. They control when they, they control interview. it. Yeah. And it was really nice. So mm-hmm. when you think about this, pretty intuitive, right? Yeah. When did they all drag and drop when they, you know, had openings? Oh, well, it was gonna be after lunch rush and before dinner. Yeah. Right. And so kind of this like two o'clock to four thirty, and that's where interviews are gonna get slotted. Mm-hmm. So they had they had this control. Now in a corporate environment or a hospital environment, you might just plug in you know, Outlook or, you know, your Google Calendar, and you could say, hey, any open times between nine and five, Mm -hmm. those are available. Or you can actually give some more parameters similar to the McDonald's example. Mm -hmm. I really only want, you know, interviews scheduled for this. Now, one of the pieces that I would just say is like, monitor if you're being too stingy, because like back to this, like you need to try and interview them within 24 hours. Otherwise, you're going to kind of keep going back to the going back to the well. So I think I think that that piece starts to get really yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, only other thing, you know, maybe to explore a little bit and and I I loved the tie back to to revenue, right? And and I think sometimes we struggle a little bit as TA leaders to make a sound business case in and around revenue objectives. Meaning, I'm coming at you with an obvious efficiency play. And I'm selling the efficiency for the sake of efficiency. It just doesn't emotionally grab me as mm-hmm. a as a as a CHRO, as a CEO, or as a CFO, if you will. And it, so I, I guess as you're working with you know you know hospital systems or or just businesses in general, are there specific spots from a revenue perspective that you like to go or that you like to explore to kind of attach to a business case to go yeah. after this efficiency gain? It's it's been one of my favorite things, and this is dorky in this new role, but I, I get to work with a lot of our prospects on their business cases. So I'm getting better and better at you know kind of putting those together yep. across industries. One of the first uh, things that we do is we we separate within a business case hard savings. So your your budget by bringing in automation, what are the dollars hard saving dollars you can go back to your CFO, your C suite, and basically say by doing this, we will actually save this. I can commit mm-hmm. to these savings. Mm-hmm. And so those are things like, 
you maybe need less coordination support. Mm -hmm. You you maybe don't need as much money in your job advertising Mm -hmm. spend. Mm -hmm. So things I'm going to pull out of my budget. Things that I can pull out. I commit to pull this out. I can pull this out to be able to pay for this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we see just because all of us in like these future years, I don't think I'm the the first one on doing this. Five years ago, we had to put together a fairly complex technology stack. I think like all of us, I think the average is usually seven or eight technology. And it was it was neat. Like we'd go and shop these point solutions. We we'd cobble them together and we all had kind of like integration issues mm-hmm. along the way. But like, you know, hopefully the duct tape work, mm-hmm. you know, now we're starting to see, you know, like companies are bringing in Paradox. We maybe sit on top of a workday or an SAP, but we can just kind of be this like start to finish smooth yep. layer. So a lot of companies actually find that they kind of, you know, buy us just by replacing other pieces yep. of technology yep. stack. Yep. But sometimes it's these other things too. Um, Or, hey, you're in a growing organization where you potentially would have to scale the amount of headcount on your team. And by being this much more efficient, you're going to be able to, you know, not have to scale at that same rate. Yeah, makes sense. So so step one, really focus on the hard savings and deliverables. You know, technology vendors right now using AI, and I think uniquely conversational AI is probably the best return on investment right now because Mm -hmm. it just like, it's just so different than what we've all seen with NTA. Um, I think that's really key. Then we focus on the operational benefits. And this is where you kind of get into the, the revenue driving mm-hmm. components of it. What, what I always like here is being able to figure out, hey, what are the operational benefits that are going to be key to your organization, right? Mm-hmm. Some of that might be revenue. Mm-hmm. And if it is revenue, hopefully that's something that like your C-suite could almost like articulate to you. Yeah, right. Hey, we have a staffing model. Yep. You all had signed off on our staffing model. We are you know, we would all agree, correct, that if we're understaffed, we are not optimized in our business. Maybe that's our, you know, our patient care. It's not being able to have as many people coming through the door. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, we landed on this and we're under optimized. We're not pushing for a world where we're overstaffed and spending spending additional dollars we don't don't need to. We want to have the optimized business. But what you kind of start to see, and it's really interesting on the operational benefit side is different companies have different priorities. Mm -hmm. Some of them Mm -hmm. say, hey, I I think being able to improve candidate experience, be able to, you know, hire someone ultimately faster, being able to get more time back to our doctors or nurses, you know, those are benefits enough. Yeah. To justify the acquisition and and the purchase. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do, I do love you if you're not already prompting this conversation, you know, the question I would ask your CPO in C-suite, and I'd come come prepared with as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Is we we have a staffing level. Mm-hmm. What does it? What is the cost to us of being understaffed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, right. Identify like, that delta, and then go after that. Right. Because yeah. if we can if we can close that and report on that, you know, ultimately we're all kind of in alignment that we're optimizing the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and you know, with the you know the clients that we work with at, at Rogue Hire, I mean that that's really the first place that we start is attempting, and sometimes it's challenging, right, to get that you know that demand model, yep. if you will, in place and intact enough. This is fluid, right? Yep. It's a very fluid thing at times, but that's you know kind of thing number one. We then do like to overlay a human capacity model on top of that, but yep. I, I do like this idea of pulling in you know, from an efficiency perspective, what, you know, kind of the, you know, the, the additional additive from a capacity and resource perspective, you know, with the right tech with the right process brings into the equation. So I, I love that. So switching gears here a little bit, you know, you have had some significant time at Abercrombie and Fitch. 
Yeah. And, and uh, I was thinking a little bit about just that brand, you know, in general, and just yep. kind of what that brand's been through, you know, over, over its existence. And, and uh, you know, good friend of mine and, you know, a mutual friend, Jeff Green, mm, that, yeah. that we both know. You know, you always talk to me a lot about, you know, the level of investment that Abercrombie focused on, at least when he was there, mm-hmm. around, you know, the EVP and, and really the go-to-market strategy on, on bringing the talent that was needed in to staff that operation. Is there any, you know, learning lessons or reflections that you have from that experience that you think would be valuable or that you've even carried forward, you know, into your time at McDonald's? Yeah, well, we spent a lot of time there, and I'd, I'd hesitate to call this like pre-technology days, but yeah. it was like the days where we all kind of like you had an ATS, yeah. and that's what you were working with. Yeah. And uh, we spent a lot of time and care, and I focused a lot on the corporate side versus the the retail store side. There, we spent a lot of care on getting the the you know the best damn recruiters yeah. and like talent specialists, and we um, we spent a lot of time there because. If, if they could be amazing at their job and find us the best designers, find us the best merchants, we, we could have a strategic advantage. And yep. so we kind of saw that. And so we focused a lot on experience there because one, we wanted our people to be able to shine throughout the process, which mm-hmm. is really interesting because we're yeah. kind of talking about automation. Yeah. And I, I think I, you know, what I picked up from Abercrombie was this importance of the experience that goes through. Yep. And so you know, for us, mm-hmm. it was getting the right recruiters in the role so that like we had the the right people mm-hmm. you know kind of talking and, and engaging and having a high touch process to move somebody through yeah. and you know it was important for us to get somebody out to our home office so they could kind of see it and experience it and we kind of always wanted them to meet four or five or six or seven people <clears throat> yeah. so they could see that we <laughs> were consistent it wasn't just like a, a show yeah. that, you know is authentic and ultimately that paid dividends because we maybe could take someone who initially wasn't considering McDon- or yeah, uh, Abercrombie. Um, and, and then, you know, as they kind of experienced it, they could see that it was something special. And yeah. so, you know, oh my gosh, that's, that's recruiting, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, what, that's you, what you want to be that's, doing. That's what we yeah. want to do. Yeah, and so, yeah. so that really lit us up and that the team there still does this to this day. I mean, it's just, they, there's some like secret, secret sauce and, and it's, yeah. it's really, really was neat, neat to, neat to watch that. And so, that idea of putting the right people into the recruiting roles, Mm -hmm. you know, not have them do as many administrative tasks, but the high touch magical moments Mm -hmm. and how much those mattered, spending the time in the right spots could lead to better hires, better retention. Mm -hmm. Did you spend a lot of time training the recruiters on how to create that magical moment? Or was it, you know, really kind of upfront, you know, identifying the right talent to create in their own way, that magical moment, if you yeah, will. Yeah, there, there it was constant. And mm-hmm. we did a lot of hiring from within for our recruiting team. So, so you, that you knew who, knew who they, they were. You had a chance to see them a little bit in action. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes it was easier. And I think some, you know, different, depending on your organization, right? But there it was nice to be able to have them learn the business. Yeah. And then we could we could teach recruiting to yeah. a degree. Yeah. Versus just having someone who knew recruiting come in. And yeah. so we, we had a mix. It was a hybrid hybrid model of that. Yeah. Um, but they they knew the business well. They were passionate about it, and they they spent time in the right places. So you know we spent a lot of time and experience and a lot of time in process. I'll do a quick pivot into like that was such a valuable experience going into McDonald's where you kind of were you're confronted on day one with this scale. Yeah, how are you going to hire a couple million people? Right. Oh my gosh, business <laughs> yeah. is on the line yeah. to be able to to do that. And hey, 
like how do you deliver this experience where your candidates are almost surely your customers, yeah. right? Like yeah. you want this to be this this amazing thing. Where I think we got where it was really lovely to see was we automated a lot. Yeah. We, you know, so if you're kind of picturing this, if you apply to a job at McDonald's, you could you you scan a QR code, you could you text a quick number, you can go through and you you just text back four or five questions. You automatically hear if you're screened. You then can get automatically scheduled. You can then ask any questions you'd want and we can share benefits packages, et cetera. You get tips to interview before you get interviewed. You then get nudged for your interview on like a reminder. You can easily reschedule. You get everything through your phone 24-7, right? So we kind of did all of this stuff. And one of the metrics that we wanted to keep was this experience has to be amazing. Yeah. If it's yeah. not warmer than we offer today, hmm. then we don't want it. And even though there are all these amazing like automation and like productivity benefits, if it's colder and it's something that like our customers or candidates don't ultimately like, I'm not sure we can go through it because it doesn't like yeah. feel like our brand. Yeah. And what we actually found was by having a yes, it was it was AI and it was automated, but it was actually more personal. Yeah. It was automatically responsive. You know, and it and it allowed for them to know exactly where they stood really quickly, which is what was valued to our our candidates. So we were getting a ninety nine percent candidate satisfaction rates. Oh wow! From a stage of like actually not even knowing what that was. And, they, and they were they that satisfaction score was coming before maybe even a level of human engagement. Right? Oh yeah. And, and so as you were describing it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is exciting. Like, yeah, yeah. That, I feel good about that that uh -huh. experience and. And that's an interesting way to, to kind of think about the automation. You know, I think maybe like, you know, when, when you're categorizing automation in your brain, if that's what, if yep. that's what category, you maybe think it's a little stuffy or it's a little robotic or something like that. But as you described it, it, it certainly sounds like it can be artful, it can be thoughtful, mm -hmm. it can be timely, you know, in, in the end, right? And, and we all see this in all of our data. You know, when communication breaks down, that's when satisfaction dips in a, in a hiring process. And, yeah. and we see that time and time again. It's interesting in healthcare, right? The very same dynamic shows up where a lot of the people that are applying to our jobs are also the people that are walking through our front doors seeking care. It is it is the same community. You know, healthcare is not one right of those, on. yeah. you know, jobs where it, it's uh, a ton of remote work. If you're a hands-on caregiver, you live in a mile, you know, mile radius around the same hospital that yeah. you would come to to get care from or that same physician practice. And so I think there's a very real, you know, call to action for us all to to think about and to become more mindful of that consumer experience and how that pings up against the, the, the applicant experience. Because the reality is, is, you know, yeah, maybe in a large organization, we'll hire 40,000 people a year. We might get 250,000, 300,000 applications, right? And yep. so at some level, we are in the rejection business. Mm -hmm. And so it's just how artfully can we reject, you know, someone so that they don't walk away feeling like they don't have or don't want to associate with that brand. It's, it's a really interesting one for us to talk about, which is speed within certain industries. Mm -hmm. And so I mean, I'll, I'll take it from actually the corporate side first as it ties into the candidate experience, which is, you know, if you or I were going to go into like job interviews for, you know, our next role, like we actually don't want to feel rushed throughout the process. We want to make sure we're spending the time. I think for both of us is we would look at like a corporate TA team time to hire. You know, do I really care that we're hiring in 31 days versus 37 right. days? No, 
no, I, I, I should be asking the question, are we, are we hiring the right people? And if it's taking us 37 days, great. Hey, if, if we've got some breakdowns in the process. Now, on the high volume side and frontline side or somewhere where it's competitive, like nursing, actually speed, one, ties to quality, mm-hmm. right? Because the faster we move, the more candidates we actually have to, to select from. And actually, when you start to talk to those candidates, they would say, like, I want you to be able to respect my time. And so you really dig into that process. Mm-hmm. You'd say, what's the candidate who's applying to maybe a couple different jobs at once, mm-hmm. which is their right to do, right? Yeah. What would they prefer? Would they prefer a uh, clunky 35 um, uh, minute form to fill out or a you know, two minute conversation? Yeah. Oh, well, they're they're going to prefer the you know two minute text conversation that yeah. they're, you're respecting their time. You're not having them yep. go through a clunky process. Would they prefer to wait three days until they hear back if if they're qualified or not, or would they like to instantly hear? Oh, all of them would like to instantly hear. Sure. Yeah. Would they like to you know like have all these like lag times before they actually are finding out that they're getting the offer? No, they'd like to hear if they're getting the offer as quickly as possible. So when you actually break down within like frontline hiring, what's a great candidate experience? You actually can get rid of some of these like bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. You know, should you send tips and tricks? Should you allow for rescheduling? Yeah, you should do those things. But it doesn't have to be this heavy process. It's about moving fast, respecting their time, and then offering personalization so that they can ask the questions and things that they want to. So that it's not yeah. kind of a one size fits all process, which, you know, scaled recruiting had to be 10 years ago, five years ago. Yep. Now it can be actually like unique to them, personalized experiences. Yeah. So you've been on the, uh, the the front lines of you know really this this evolution, if you will, it, you know in our industry, and you know what two and a half years as the VP or the you know the marketing lead you know here at, at, at Paradox. What's different maybe this year, you know, coming to HR Tech or even in the ecosystem from your perspective, you know now you know kind of on the the software side. What's different this year? What feels different this year? maybe versus last year at, at a conference like this, whether that's client conversations or conversations that you're, you're, you're a part of, what, what, what feels different this year? The big difference this year is, I think, the progress that we're consistently seeing with, with AI. I mean, you're seeing it on pretty much every booth as you're, you're walking around. I mean, yeah. in every single session, people are talking about AI. Why I'm excited about it from a practitioner is less on like the buzzy words around it. Yeah. And it's more that, it's gotten so sophisticated that it's like smart now. Yeah. It's really easy to use. Yeah. You walk into these booths and it's intuitive on like what it would do and how it's going to actually solve a problem for you. So it's this progress of AI that's entering into the HR space. Yeah. It's making it easier to understand. It looks more like the consumer technology that we're all used to, yeah, right? For sure. One-click purchasing and, and find things that are close to you and have a chat conversation. Um, get really smart responses when you have a question. You know, these are things where, you know, it's, it's just, it's kind of that like Apple iPhone easy. You pick it up out of the box. Yep. And I think that's really helpful in a couple of different ways within HR tech that we just haven't seen before. We've always seen a lag in tech. Yeah. Uh, shucks it doesn't really look like my <laughs> yep, consumer yep. products that i use at home I, now i'm hr i'm behind I'm, you know, yeah yeah, yeah yep. and then oh okay okay so and then you find the thing that can solve your problem and you're like ooh, okay how does it how does it implement how does it integrate mm-hmm. how are we going to actually roll out change management as things get easier and more intuitive those things start to like those edges start to smooth yeah, out so yeah. i really like this you know the last five years of 
computing power, AI, like powered interfaces. I think I'm a huge fan, obviously, of conversational specifically within recruiting because it's just getting smarter. I think, yeah. again, we we used to see, uh, you know, within our space, and I think we've all had maybe negative experiences on this from like a customer care perspective, but like yeah. kind of a dumb chatbot. Yeah. Right. And I think what we're starting to see with, we're definitely seeing with natural language processing, with some generative AI in is you can have really sophisticated, smart conversations that are easier and just feels really smooth. Yeah. So I'm really excited by that. It's it's we're solving problems easier and it's and it's really easier smart tech to understand. Yeah. yeah. One maybe final question, you know, I, I guess as we we kind of round our time, I know you're busy, you've got customers to to engage and and the booth here is is humming. I was I was saying that this is like a landmark booth that, that, that I'm in. <laughs> I, as soon as I walk into the conference, I'm I'm always looking for it. You know, the, the thing that I, you know, am and continually an evangelist around is really the recruiter UX, like the recruiter experience, right? And it's this idea of like and, and it's one of the things that I've always struggled a little bit, to be frank about it, you know, as I've kind of grew up in that era where it's, well, I have my CRM interface. Well, I have my ATS interface. Well, I have, you know, this point solution interface. Well, I got to go over here to search for candidates, right? And so I've got five or six different things that I'm trying to work out of and trying to stay organized. I, I love some of this natural, I don't even want to use integration, but this natural design that's happening you know, the idea of, of really parts of your tool work behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. A recruiter who has to deal with the day-to-day -day isn't even needing to interface with it at some deep, deep level, right? But they, yet they reap the benefits yep. of that level of, of automation, of that, that level of AI. And so I guess, you know, if you were to hypothetically say, go back into a pr practitioner seat at some point in time, you know, and as you look forward, is there anything that you're particularly excited about you know, with the roadmap and, and maybe what's coming that we haven't talked about? Or is it just further and further to your earlier point, efficiency of what's already here? Yeah. Do you know the story of Paradox and why we're called Paradox? No, I actually don't. It's, it's interesting. So we're a technology and software company yeah. who wants you to spend as little time in software so you can spend more time with people. Uh, so we, we actually don't right. want our recruiters in there. And I think that's an interesting component of this, right? Like where we're really passionate about is like getting recruiters to be recruiters, take as much of the administrative tasks off their plate. And I think that's that's the place where our roadmap is continuing to like to push, make this really seamless behind the scenes so that they can spend time just like chatting with candidates, doing you know strategic sourcing, you know, helping kind of do that, do that sale. And so, you know, it's it's been great to be able to see some of that progress. Yeah, I got you. Okay, that makes um, sense. We also just launched our conversational career sites, which we're really excited about. Okay. Really kind of a, a generation skip in terms of what a career site looks like. Okay. So we've all probably built seven or eight career yeah, sites right, in the past, right? right? Yep. We kind of know like you you build out your wireframe and you want to make sure that every single job and and type of person who might be applying to your job has has the right places to go and you kind of set up your hierarchy and you you have those candidates that land on your site, like just dig for yep. that content. And then it's instantly outdated in two months. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. You know, based on on what we've been able to see and kind of with this new technology out, we have really the world's first personalized and fully dynamic career site on the market. Hmm. So what does that actually mean? It means that like when you, Matt, land on the career site, you're going to have a slightly different experience than when I land on the website. We're going to start with a conversation. Matt, let me let me hear about you. What's important to you, and then we're going to surface up the things. There so that go. that starts with 
what jobs would be a great fit for you? Yeah. Let's let's show you jobs in your area or jobs that might be a great fit to you. What are the questions that you have? Let us give you kind of like those benefits, people that might be in roles that are similar. To yeah. Yours, right. So not a choose my own adventure when I come to your career site, but a, a specific adventure for me. It's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. yeah it's, awesome. it's, un- it's unique and personalized yeah. to you versus this one size fits all. Yeah, and, yeah. and it just kind of goes the what if you could just serve serve up content versus have someone go and yeah, dig? Yeah. And like how that's much more inclusive to, and right? Yeah, yeah, that's Google, right? They, hey, mm-hmm. this is what I need and this is what I get served. Same idea there. I, I'm excited to be, uh, you know, just in talent acquisition, in, in uh, you know, the HR function as a whole right now. I think it's a, a lot of a really great investment, a, a lot of really great practitioners, which I love to see. I love to see a practitioner, you know, as an executive, yep. as somebody that's helping to drive the product roadmap, ensuring that a lot of the, you know, ideas and pains and challenges, I'm sure, from a product perspective that we all experience are being heard uh, inside of the yep. ecosystem. And so, so kudos to you uh, uh, on that. So if somebody wanted to learn more about, you know, Paradox or Joshua, like, where would we go? How would we engage? How would we get some personalized experience in the healthcare community? Yeah, I mean, definitely check us out at paradox.ai. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. I get to do a lot of our research. And so constantly trying to to put out different reports or studies on, especially I've been focusing a lot on kind of anything that's frontline or high volume. Okay. We also just released a report on AI with Harvard Business Review. So would love to be able to to share that. Yeah. Uh, One of the pieces, and I think you'll appreciate this and, and hopefully anyone listening, by being able to sit in the marketing seat within a you know TA soft, you know it's 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 being able to maybe curate what we all would want to read and yeah. you know for me sitting in that seat before it was hearing from my peers on where they had wins where they stubbed their toe yep. so we're trying to focus almost all of our marketing on client stories I love uh, that. client Im- impact where they're seeing ROI their business cases Josh Burson's just finished a report on General Motors where they saved $2 million. They did one on, he did one on our McDonald's story. So if you wanted to read a little bit more on McHire, um, but you, you'll see a lot of that from us. Just wanted to make sure that, you know, we can really champion those that are out there championing talent. And yep. so constantly just trying to evolve our space and, and make sure that our TA leaders and talent leaders have a ton of support from us. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It's been, it's been amazing, Joshua. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Love it. I'm in. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right. We want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs, feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now.